Welcome back to Dansplaining. Third time lucky with some issues with the card, but we're here, live and direct. Super special guest today, we have the founder and creative director of Rich London, Mr. Rich Evans. Good afternoon. How are we doing? All right, all right, good, nice. fine. So, yeah, you two. Yes. When did you two stumble across each other? Ever since I've been doing casting shoots, um, I've paid attention to what models are, what trends of models are happening, who's, who's, who's hot and whatever. And then you come along, you're like a, a little bit of an enigma because we tried to get you on a few shoots and couldn't afford you. Uh, so that makes me even more of an, an, an enigma. Uh, but I think you had the, you know, you had the shoots for PAQ next yes. to our office. So you used to walk past and everyone sort of like interns and that used to sort of lose their shit a little bit. Oh my God, Danny fucking Lomas <laughs> has walked past. You know, and it's like, because I think the boys, lads, see you see you as a bit of a, I don't know, like a... You'll go for a pint with him. Russell fun. Brand, Callum Best sort of vibe. <laughs> you know, you know an, old, an old school Lothario that, oh, that, that, yeah, that just that. slays women, risen everything, and, um, <laughs> and kind of does it in a Mick Jagger sort of way. And then the girls obviously like their thing and um yeah so i think you've popped in a few times done castings and uh yeah i've always i've always thought what you're doing is great never really got stuck into a conversation i don't think but i appreciate you like cars i've seen i've seen i've seen seen, uh the passion oh so yeah I've, i've always you know it's i'm always following what people are doing that's it i mean we'll go into it like in more detail later on but yeah for all like the paq listeners when we shot at the bomb shelter, which is our main studio with the the skate ramp and the surfers, where we used to do the intros and outros, that was four doors down from your piazza room. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That was good. Guy called. Um, but look, this podcast isn't about you, Danny. No Correct. How much you want it to be today about you, Rich? So look, we know you as Rich London, um, but that's not where it all started, did it? No. So give us the background. How did you end up? in London it's it's not like I'm meant to be in fashion or even wanted to be in fashion it's just the only other thing I've ever been interested in grew up in Wales just a a normal family mum and dad brilliant but totally against youth culture or you know they wanted me to be an engineer um you know my dad would say like if I was wearing a denim jacket yeah he would think that that was equivalent of I don't know it was, oh, it was trouble trouble no it was like, oh, I was trouble <laughs> if anything happens Richard you're gonna get picked out wearing that you're gonna uh, even if you didn't do it just a denim jacket and I was like oh, this is crazy and I was always quite a shy kid anxious and moved to Southampton and the school I moved to was really modern and like yeah. where I come from in Wales was really traditional and some of the kids were super confident and cool in this in this Southampton school and I was like fuck and I was Welsh and I had Welsh accent so I had to lose my Welsh accent I didn't want to get <laughs> bullied and, and I just kind of like tried to fit in and, and fitting in was my thing you know fitting yeah. in I thought oh good at fitting in as I went on to secondary school it was quite rough it was quite rough yeah. um got bullied quite a lot for being super skinny i feel that and I, and and it was rough it was rough there was like it was half and half it was half people like me my family was all right half fucking scum, reprobate scum and um <laughs> and and there was a lot of bullying and i just kind of just grew up having to sort of fight off that and i and i as i grew up i was just constantly trying to fit in fit in with different subcultures i guess yeah. um you know the kids that like just smoking bongs at lunchtime the kids the kids <laughs> that liked metal breakdancing blah blah so just fitting in oh cool yeah but uh, i really enjoyed it m- mixing up lots of different me's and um, yeah. as i started to get older and i just got a buzz out of fitting in i think uh you know going to a breakdance party wearing the best trainers and 
just being accepted. And that just sort of never really stopped. The buzz of getting girls, getting attention, growing my friendship group yeah. was just addictive. As, as I got to oh, about, about 20, I started getting... Um, lots of enemies like I guess you know like a, like a yeah. kind of a, a different groups and blah 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 and I ended up just going traveling on my own I remember meeting this girl in Koh Samui on my own and said what do you do for a living and she went I'm a I'm a fashion editor and I was like fuck stay there stay there what's that how'd you do that before I'd left I was like you know googling jobs in fashion jobs in yeah. fashion where are they all and um there's never anyone like apart from sales and stuff like that yeah and she said she's a fashion editor I was like and she just said, like, the best thing to do is find a magazine that you would read, email them all, say you'll come and clean the drawers, make tea, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And when I finally got to Australia, that's what I did. I just got my mate's phone and I phoned up and said, oh, yeah, I found this magazine I really liked. And, I, and then eventually they phoned it back and, and I went and did work experience there. Came in early, left late, did all the shit jobs and just showed a real interest in all elements, the designer, the production, and just was buzzing like um, and and then the fashion editor got a little bit like fucking this is this prick (laughs) and she left and i got her job and um so that was the beginning of of the thing so yeah i mean i just went from that to junior fashion editor in that magazine in australia when eventually came back to london it's like starting again it's like yeah sydney is like manchester and and, yeah. and come back to london i thought oh i've got a big portfolio i'm gonna smash this i was looking at all the magazines oh yeah and i had to start again it was like i had to start again so no one was oh he's got that so what um yeah and i just uh is that because like to them london's the center of the earth and basically if you're not doing it in london you're not doing it anywhere. i think so yeah people people can't i don't think people could quite join the dots with my stuff in Australia because um, the, the familiar faces. So I still recommend to do that now for anyone who wants to get into it. But what, what I had to do, even though I had a big portfolio, I had to do tests, you know, you, yeah. you know, tests, right? So, yeah. so like I had to, I wanted to be a stylist. So I found a photographer that was in the same boat, a stylist, I mean, a makeup artist. I got loads of clothes on my own. So I organized a test kept doing this and and we created imagery you know before social media we were creating content i guess that was filling up your portfolio and every time you did it you met a new bunch of people and then slowly this bunch of people that you were doing tests with one of them would get a job yeah and it was like oh lucy that makeup artist has got a job and they're looking for a stylist and because we were in this testing little crew she would go rich there's a styling job 50 only 50 quid but I'll put you forward. And, then, and that's 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 what I had to do from the beginning. And gradually fifty quid turn into sixty quid and then hundred quid <laughs> and then and then it's like Snowball. Yeah, before you know it, you you know. So from there going, you know, knocking on doors, you then do land a job at a magazine. So some of our audience won't remember these particular magazines, but they were the, the lad mags. Yeah. So <laughs> what, what ones you work for? Uh, all of them really. I mean the most notorious one was Front magazine. And that was like the lad Bible with Pornhub, with <laughs> uh, with every other kind of meme Instagram site mixed into one. That was yeah. just like our office. So we used to, you know, it was computer games, gangsters, football, messing about, girls, you, and you fashion. About fashion yeah. So I, uh, you know, amongst the madness, there was thirty pages of fashion, and that was my job me and an assistant and we just did it you know it was lad fashion so and at the time there was no other lads doing the lad fashion stuff did you find it harder to then 
break down the door because they were like, this is what we used to, or they like, oh no, actually, you're our reader, we do want you to. No, no, they loved it. They, they couldn't believe it. It was like, up until that point, like maybe 99, 2000, there was not really like it is now where loads of lads are into streetwear and, and, yeah. and into into their outfits. You know, look, even my sons are like, oh, I like the fit, dad. And it's, it's <laughs> like, it was, it was a bit like, oh, you like fashion, you know, yeah. oh, you moisturise. And, you know, like in my group of friends, I've seen all group of lads, they've kind of got a dynamic where there's someone that's a bit more into fashion. There's a sporty one. There's a, there's a hard one, a funny one, a fat one. And I was just a guy that liked fashion. Um, so in the dynamic of the editorial team, I was always the one they'd go, look what he's fucking wearing today. You know, like they, they would still take the piss. You know, it's yeah. like, he's got pink Clark's on. <laughs> but it was, it, I, I was speaking to all lads basically so yeah. my, my my you know we used to do shoots in strip clubs and it were always to do shoots in you know the dogs or, or you know it was it was very like 90s front but yeah no it was ma- mad times honestly people doing drugs at their desks and drinking at lunchtime and <laughs> sleeping under their desk and girls walking around topless and it's fucking it was nuts trying to get your work done so that that kind of couldn't <laughs> exist now then no i don't think so no if it's your <laughs> birthday it's we, head if, office. If, if it was if it was your birthday we'd get you a stripper and it was like uh we'd have <laughs> sometimes bands come in play a set on the on the desks it was uh I remember dirty sanchez came in oh, and fucking they hell. did they did an, an, an enema you know, oh and, god yeah they did this they put some paper down on the floor and we were on deadline trying to get mags done and they sucked up paint through oh. into their into their arsehole and then squirted it out and made this big artwork and, <laughs> and then we auctioned it off i think on the and and, and it was just going around it was just like crazy you know you know like you get emails from prs now yeah they would just come in the office and it was like <laughs> how can we get attention so links would come in with two husky dogs and girls in bikinis or pepper army would come <laughs> in with this like a 15 foot pepper army and give us all food and but for me, even though I didn't do very well at university and college, I failed really bad. But it was really good experience for me being in a, a university course when there's so much other distractions. Yeah. Like it was, it was that was what I learned at uni was to try and get work done when there's you know there's a lot of girls on the course, there's club nights every night, student nights, there's yeah. drink everywhere, everyone's got hangover. So that's what I took from uni basically yeah. was to learn how to how to work in the chaos. Well, getting strippers on your birthday in the office is cool, but when I'm doing it, I'm self-employed, I'm a fucking freak, apparently. <laughs> so I was wondering, yeah. what were you wearing at the time and how did your style progress and what were you wearing in the office? I, I never, ma- I've never massively been a brand person i've put brands in my outfit now and again just to show you know a bit of aquascutum or a bit of bit of cp company or a bit of um but i've always just been more about color and fit and because you work in the industry you know that it's all one big illusion you know that like people like me and you that do the shoots for stone island and and you're like it's not it's not as cool as it actually is the people in you know it's not you know it's all an illusion so i'm i used to be a big big advocate of Top man, believe it or not. Yeah. Like, because. Comes up a lot. Uh, like, like, because I always say, like, some of my mates say, oh, what, what's fashionable, Rich? What's fashionable? What, what shall I wear? Um, do you have a, 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 some staples like Clark's, DM's, maybe yeah. maybe some Wallabies, maybe you've got uh, some Stan Smith's or some Converse or whatever? You've got a few staple things, a couple of brands in your caps, maybe a Stussy cap or maybe something. But the rest of it, is, you can. You can pulled together from Top Man, you can get abduct- abducted by aliens, walk into Top Man, look at a few man- mannequins, spend a couple of hundred quid, and you're good. And, and <laughs> so 
I always used to have every day three or four meetings with fashion type people. Yeah. So there was I didn't have enough money to have a huge rotation of expensive clothes. Yeah. So I was always just go zip into Top Man, zip into H and M, Uniqlo, pad that out with vintage stuff. You know, whether it's a Stussy or a, or a, a random Benson and Hedges cap or something. <laughs> you know, a few badges here, a few, and, and just make it you know jewelry and stuff. So I always used to just float around in my own little world of not really caring where the stuff came from, just as the overall look. You said that brands were coming and really trying to press you back in the day, like in the old school, it's not like PR now, you get the email. Yeah. Was you getting like lots of stuff sent to you? Oh yeah, I mean like this is before Instagram, before influencers and stuff like that. So if you were a fashion editor on a magazine, we were selling like 300,000 copies a month. So a fashion editor was the, the guy, the you, you know, like, the, <laughs> you know, like let's send everything to Danny Lomas, Fred Perry, you know. Uh, so I used to get to my desk, there'd be like 10 pairs of red wings. There'd be, there'd be just box, boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff. Um, and I used to do the grooming pages as well. So a bit aftershaves and loads of shit like that. And I just used to took, I took everything for granted, like, yeah. um, which I'm sure a lot of influencers do, it became totally immune to material value of things computer yeah. games if if we wanted anything whether it was a press car press motorbike press porn computer games even if we went to strip clubs it was all free it wasn't until i came out of that world i was like fuck i gave away about 10 grand worth of <laughs> aftershave or, uh, uh, I, I wish i had that and um yeah i used to get a lot of a lot of stuff for free yeah you talk about the circulation they say three hundred thousand a month that's Obviously, we work in like quite numbers that are quite visible now. Yeah. How many likes, how many followers. Yeah. yeah. Is that like, was that a big number for a magazine? And also, was the like styling and uh, grooming things quite a credible thing for the, in the lad mag? Yeah. Th I think 300,000 was, were at the, at the, bear in mind, the newsstands, there was just hundreds and hundreds of magazines. Yeah. Um, and each one cost. 275 or 350 so there was a lot of money it was it was it, it was that was about the best i think 300,000 when you think about it you've got influencers that've got 300,000 followers it's mad now when you think about uh it's not doesn't sound that much but the fashion section and the grooming section were really most of the people on the editorial team were like off oh, do we have to have it? F fuck it, fashion bullshit. Oh, no. <laughs> it was really more a driver for advertising, and 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 um, right. oh, yeah, and, and it was especially grooming. Like we got Head and Shoulders and 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 Philips want to advertise this month for Rich. You've got to do a makeover program. Oh fuck, you know it was like that. But I tried to make the fashion section more fun and have you know we we would get. Um, rather than using models, we'd get bands and and or, or, yeah. or like um, people that were people, and I guess that's where we're at now. I guess still, but you know, boxes and and um, it's making it more relatable. Yeah, it was. It, it was, and that and that for me, that kept me. It, it was brilliant. And what I remember one time, my favourite band at the time was the Ordinary Boys, and I was like, Oh yeah, fuck, let's get the Ordinary Boys to do Is that. The, Preston, did the, did the, yeah, Preston. Yeah. yeah, we did the we did the main fashion shit with with um that lot, and it's just fun. Like it was just it meant I could meet meet people and and it was just enjoyable and i think it bridged a gap between music and fashion and culture rather than just getting a model you well know? for me it's what it's like i didn't know front magazine a nuts magazine i was too young for where i wasn't allowed it but then it also felt a bit weird buying it with your mates like i was never yeah, massively yeah 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 whatever but fhm i used to have a subscription for fhm okay yeah, i used yeah, to read yeah. that religiously and it's i guess subconsciously that kind of did shape 
how I dressed at the time as well. Because yeah, it was a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah, yeah, like yeah. finding these brands where it would be like style spotlights on bands and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, it yeah, would yeah, be yeah. like, I think it's the kind of thing that'll put me onto like All Saints. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And seeing yeah, yeah. these kind of brands where I couldn't afford it at the time, I'd have probably been, what, 13, 14? Yeah. And I remember reading it thinking, this feels like an older magazine. Like, I'm sure it was aimed at people in their 20s and whatever. Yeah. But it was the right time for me to kind of be formative, where I'd understand it, and you kind of go from... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I used to love Viz magazine as well. Viz yeah, it was a bit more... That, FHM but. was a bit more mature. Eventually, um, I was fashion director at FHM, and it was even to work there, because I'd grown up looking at it and going, grey, greys, grey, they're saying greys fashion. Yeah. Right, I'm going, fuck, I'm going by loads of grey. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what would happen is we'd call in loads of stuff from PR companies, we'd look at the fashion company and go, God, shit loads of orange, isn't there? <laughs> we go, orange, yes, there we go. Right, and, um, I'll tell you what it was, it was a mixture of like GQ and Kerrang. Yeah, I used yeah, to read yeah, Smash yeah. Hits and, and Kerrang. a bit of men's health as well. Was and it? a bit of men's health, yeah. I, I, when, I was, when I was growing up, sort of like 15, 16, I did, I did used to look at the page, it was like, I think it was a page that was like, ask doctor someone yeah and it was like, yeah. oh i don't know my my pubes are straight what, what? no it's okay and, and, I, and i just look through and go anything i can relate to and i look look at it and and think and think you know it was, it was quite a handbook at the time you couldn't google yeah I'm, 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 that's my, it. my pubes are straight what's what's going on it was it was in it was in fhm and it was it was relatable and um but it was a little bit more corporate setup i think yeah. it's ipc media or um where some of the other lads mags were just a bunch of lads that were just left in this cage in this yeah. office that would just do what we wanted in this and the suits were upstairs just going what are they doing down there yeah they made, they've got a drummer on the desk and <laughs> um but yeah nuts and zoo came later on um that was a bit more corporate again but it was just that went that was weekly and it went like i think five hundred thousand a week maybe it was big numbers again off top on topic i never got a chance to live it What's inside Nuts Magazine? Because I thought it was literally just soft porn. It was, it was, yeah. I mean, it was, it, again, it was just before the sort of Pornhub, that kind of era where most guys could just go, thank God we don't have to buy Nuts anymore. <laughs> and, and I think uh, Nuts and Zoo and all those magazines were slow on the pickup for like websites and, and online content. They missed the boat, really. And they could have they capitalised on the whole Lab yeah. Bible thing and gone they could but um it's just girls football banter and yeah. i did i did two pages of fashion a bit of grooming and i uh, did nuts and zoo at the same time which is weird <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah the reason i eventually left that world was because all this free stuff like i'd be sitting in nuts sometimes and then someone would answer the phone and go oh um such and such brand wants to take us around a helicopter around london today um <laughs> It, but you know it was great but it would mean you'd have to put in um some face cream or you'd, yeah. have, to put, you'd have to worm in a cider somewhere in the in the content and i suddenly started thinking that helicopter ride probably cost about two grand for all of us at least right and i was like i'd rather have the two grand and, <laughs> and people, people and, and it got to the point where that people would phone up and say oh rich thank you so much for putting in those jeans what size are you we'll send you a pair and i'll be like i'd rather you just send me 200 quid yeah. <laughs> uh, i've got enough jeans and trainers and and i i, was, I want a house now i want a car i want to i want to yeah. like i've got a nice uh, really met a really nice uh, girl and i want to take her somewhere that isn't freebie that yeah. it doesn't feel like i have to give something back afterwards so during the whole period of working on editorial teams I'd always have brands that would offer me uh, bungs, you know, like more streetwear brands that would say like, oh, Rich, make us stick, you know, 10 tops or brands in a month you do. Stick us in there and we'll sort you out with a 
you know, next yeah. time we see you, we'll sort you out, right? And I always thought, I used to be like diehard loyal to the magazines and I'd think, I'd never do that, right? But when I eventually went freelance, I had a kid and went freelance and I couldn't be around that madness so much. Yeah. I was thinking, I've got no boss, really. <laughs> as long as I don't put in like welly boots and an eye patch, yeah. uh, I, I, and I make it authentic, I can take these bungs. But hang on a minute, that's just what PR companies do, isn't it? They're taking money from a brand and guarantee some exposure. So I'm basically like a... The middleman. So I, all I've got to do is get a logo and I've got a PR company. So that's what I did. I just sort of thought, okay, I've got I'm doing loads of freelance stuff doing the mag still so if i put a jacket in six of these shoots that's it. my target's done and i can get a retainer from a brand plus the freelance work that i'm doing i was quids in eventually that faded away you know faded you know editorial steam and i worked really on helping brands you know and helping develop brands and that's how i started the agency really just no no business plan or anything so i mean this is a perfect segue before we get into rich london we have to ask you one question to wrap up the past yeah yeah what was the worst outfit you've worn or worst trend you've been part of? People look back on their throwback pictures and go, oh my God, I can't believe I had sideburns. Oh, I can't believe I had a moustache. Like, but I'm... That's I'm, my mum's uh, worst I'm trend always, that she had. I'm always an advocate for like whatever's happening. Like you'll look back and think, oh, I can't believe I had my hair like that. Or I had a earring. <laughs> but at the time, I'm confident that it was the, the best. The shit. The best, yeah. So like, um, I mean, there was times where... I was into trance, um, I think Gatecrasher, uh, Millennium, and I, and, I, and I jumped on the, I just wanted to fit in, right? So yeah. I just, I ski goggles and like, <laughs> um, like a, a tank top and, and like a, twizzled my hair into like spikes, <laughs> uh, luminous bits on the top. <laughs> and, um, sounds awful. I don't know why you no, no, no. go straight to his answer. But at the time, I remember thinking, this is the shit, this is brilliant. That's and I look back on Evan pictures. <laughs> I look back on the pictures and I think, oh, yeah, no, I was, I was. It's coming back, I, Rich. I tell you, it's I coming went, back. I went there, you know. I went there and I went. Whenever, whatever I've done, I've gone in deep, you know. Yeah. That. There's yeah. a reason for it as well. Yeah, it's not like you yeah, were just yeah, trying yeah. out something to be cool. Hundred percent, hundred percent in it. But you know, looking forward, then we're going to move into how you've had such a long-standing career in PR and why it's been successful. At what point did you go? oh shit, I now run a PR agency and it's actually a real thing. I think the real oh shit moment was like, my missus was, because we just had a kid, um, and my, we're living in Brixton, my missus was like, you can't be, you've got to get an office. Because I had so, I was still doing the styling, I had so many clothes in the house, um, the back room was just like the fashion cupboard. Yeah. And it was only, it was looming that our kid was going to want that room. And, and <laughs> so I had to get, the, the, the shittiest, smallest mice-ridden office <laughs> in Brixton. 1,500 per month. It, it was so bad. Um, the hardest thing for me was fashion is such a make make, th make things look better than what they are. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, business, having an office, having a PR agency and keeping your shit office a secret was was the hardest thing you got because you kind of got a you got a logo you know i'm happy with the way i present myself and the way i communicate um so when you first start i didn't have like you know some people start and they've got a, they've got marble floors and a receptionist and yeah and a, and a big thing straight away but I, I just had to have this little the window didn't even shut properly and and i had this girl Bella, who worked, she's amazing. Um, she worked one day a week. And sometimes a mouse would run across the room, up the clothes, down the rail, and she would go, <laughs> fuck's 
take a scream and, and Rich sort it out. And I didn't like mice and I was like, fuck, and I had to sort out all the mice traps, put Snickers on the mouse trap, did all the research into killing the right, right mouse. That was the hardest thing, like in the beginning, is trying to keep up the facade yeah. when you, when, you know, I always look up to agencies like um, Exposure and Canoe and Modus and, and all these agencies that had the receptionist and, yeah. and stuff like that. And you're coming to a world where your knowledge is really good and your experience is really good, but the bullshit isn't there. Like, <laughs> you know, the, the showroom and, and, and having, you know, somewhere that you could invite clients. So now it's a lot easier for, for, for companies because you've got like co-working spaces and, yeah. and lots of things like that. Because there's um, an expectation, I think, in fashion to have all that shit. You yeah. know? And, and a lot of times people that do get investment or that do have rich parents that can, that can give you all that stuff in the beginning, it doesn't work out. And I was always very paranoid that I wanted to make the agency, you know, whether it's two years, three years before I even painted the walls, you know, yeah. like just because I didn't want to be that guy that spent all the time, even a hundred quid on paint. And then it just, it just was a waste of money. So it just had phones, rails, and, and some good brands. And that was, that was it. Who were the first brands that you picked up then? And how did you go about so, it? So, I mean, like I said, when, when, I was, when I was styling, I used to, you know, phone PR companies and, and borrow samples off them for shoots. One time I phoned the PR guy and he said, it's probably the last time I speak to you, Rich, because I'm leaving. I'm going traveling next, next month. Mm. And I was like, oh shit, well, who do I phone for, for shot jackets? Yeah. Um, don't know, mate. I don't know, mate. <laughs> they're, 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 the guys are going to be recruiting. Um, I was thinking, fuck, I could do that. So I spoke to a um, really nice guy, Patrick, at the time, and I said, I'll do that. I'll do the, I'll do the PR bit. He said, okay. So it was really, you know, low retainer type type um, thing, and I just wanted to test myself to see whether I could really get this brand loads of exposure with stuff I was doing and, and more. And it worked out like that. So Shot was then a client for like 10, 11, 12 years maybe, and I ended up doing global campaigns, collaborations, all sorts of stuff further down the line. Mm, not a bad brand to start with, you know. It was a globally recognized heritage brand. Yeah, yeah, no, it was. But the thing is, with a lot of globally recognized brands, is they're split into about 100 different companies. You, you probably yeah. know. So, like, you, you look at a brand like Fila or you look, look at a brand like Carhartt and you think, oh, it's the coolest brand in the world. It's so big. But actually, like, I think it must have been in the 80s or 90s before, before the internet. They sold off loads of these licenses, uh, different different companies essentially. So there'd be a license for the UK, a license for France, a license for Europe, and none of them talk to each other really. Yeah. Um, and in some cases, they hate each other. So it's <laughs> it's it's like lots of different micro companies that haven't quite agreed on a global voice. Um, so so I was working with the UK side of shop. My philosophy was, you know, get a globally recognised brand. No one really knows I'm just doing the UK part, but it, it kind of, it kind of, as the logo, it stands stands its grounds. Um, smoke and mirrors, basically. Smoke and mirrors, yeah. And I thought that when it came to doing the PR, PR is based on the quality of the product and the visuals and the, and the, the activity that brand does. If that's crap, then how you know it's like telling someone to ride off with a, with a buckled wheel. So. The agency went from just a PR company to more of a brand development company because I'd say, look, that shoot that you're going to give us, not this isn't just shot, but this, that shoot that you, you want us to communicate and get on Hypebeast is shocking. Like, <laughs> I honestly wouldn't give that to my team 
to take because that's just sales and, yeah. and so we we started doing content we started doing campaigns and then it was on our head whether it would go on Hypebeast or not so yeah. so we'd be doing stuff for the UK licenses but actually they would be globally recognized so that the global teams would go who got you on Hypebeast like how, how did it, <laughs> yeah, who did it so uh, I remember Fila Global called me to go to New York to their New York office and there was like massive big table like 30 of them like Richard <laughs> yeah. we like you to do a shoot for us and and uh and i was like okay cool yeah, yeah brilliant and uh, we've 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 uh we've planned half of it already and okay we're gonna go to san francisco i was like why are you going to san francisco don't, don't know and, and I, well, what, okay uh what about we go to italy where the brand was born where the brand you know if we're going to do a global voice we go to maybe a village in called biella where where the brand was born we can call it back to biella and i just came up on the spot and yeah like yeah. So yeah, I, don't, I always just think like never really got a business plan. It's just do stuff good, and good people will appreciate it. Can you give us a rundown of the brands that have you know whether it's project based or like long term based have worked with Rich PR? You know, in the beginning, helped Champion relaunch. Um, Hold on, because Champion as well. We read you completely relaunched Champion EU from zero followers on Instagram. Uh, and zero stockists to being bought back by the American owners for two hundred million. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I should have, uh, you know, like if there was some sort of um, commission or something, but that's not how it works. So yeah, no, it was, it was, it was just one of those things where I just felt I used to wear champions as a kid. I could feel the trend coming in. You know, the guy who was my contact, well, you know, he was very trusting in me. I kind of like said, I can see it. I can see yeah. it. I can see it. Like bum bags socks everyone's going to be wearing it blah 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 and then they, they you know they, they they sent us i think it was like all this more like yoga stuff you know like and i was like no 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 this this isn't what i mean it's the old school reverse weave stuff and um and we started looking after them as a client but we didn't actually have the right stuff we did a press day based on stuff i'd bought from ebay and, oh, shit. and lots of people were coming in and like oh sh- yeah champions back yeah it, and it the, the actual brand hadn't didn't have the product to, to show it so we we had loads of i bought loads of like even back in the day jordan's basketball vest was nba, uh, NBA was sponsored by champion back in the day and for young kids to see that they like join the dots oh shit the heritage is there yeah. as well so i remember just um really trying to push it i'm not a designer but i worked with a designer to to plan a collection to show the brand what my vision was and yeah. kind of an executive creative director job I was doing way ahead of my time you know I was just testing my own ability to but they believed in me and and, and we, we went crazy and then like I said we got to sort the Instagram out grew that and did the same for Kappa and Feely UK and now that sports heritage thing has, has um, commercially gone a little bit um, you know there's still people like yourself that wear it in a stylistic kind of way yeah but the, you know it's just not, a it's, 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 shots. it's not so much in urban outfit uh, urban outfits anymore way better so we've started looking after brands like sean john fubu carl Kanai, heritage streetwear which is like the ogs of of um streetwear yeah are those still like are they sort of licensed out to you then or are they um they are owned by the original companies. Um, obviously, Sean John was Puff Daddy. Yeah, so they are licensed. Yeah, is that I mean, his brand. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so. Oh wait, no. He, he, he's actually just bought it back. It is licensed to a company in Germany called Snipes, but 
it's the same thing. You do you do shoots, you do projects, you're helping brands develop their own footprint around Europe. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So the agency's been running for what, like 15, 16 years now. Yeah, yeah. You've moved from your kids' room into mouse infested <laughs> office and then into the arch right next to where we shot PAQ. Yeah. And your team's grown massively as yeah. well. There's been some great people within the PR world who have like gone through rich London. What advice would you give someone trying to get... like How would someone capture your attention? Because, as I said, you have people who are doing amazing stuff now. Within, yeah, what, as an employee or a brand? An employee. So, yeah. like, people who are doing, like, heads of fashion jobs now. Yeah. Brands. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. What catches now, your eye? We've had some amazing, amazing people come through, and I try and look for the sort of DNA of, of me because I can't do everything. You know, people that are super hungry, people that are unnecessarily creative um, in their CV or, um, <laughs> like you know. Unnecessarily. You know what I mean? It's just creative. like, it's quite I, a good I, one. St- I still get a lot of lads, especially lads, that are really snappy dressers, mm. really do some cool stuff. They skate, they do the graffiti, well, and they send a CV through on Word still. Yeah. And, I, and I, every single time, and this, and you know, people will back me up, and I, I write back and I say, look, oh, I've checked you out on Instagram, and you're way cooler than your CV. Like, yeah. check out, check out Canva. Just do one on Canva. Write about the skating. I've seen you've been DJing. I write about your DJing. So it's really, it's, it's, it's like sell yourself rather than fill the role. Yeah, there's nowhere to hide anymore. Back in the day, you could do a CV, and you could be a drug dealer on the side, and you could do, <laughs> you could do, you could be doing whatever. But People look at your Instagram anyway, and they want to see that you're um, living life. They want to. If I want to look at a photographer, I look for his personal project. Um, yeah. Someone like Theo Cottle, who, if he's got a weekend off, he'll go to Bulgaria and shoot some mad monkeys and that are getting carried by dwarfs. And it's like, <laughs> come back, make the book, boom. And it's it's that like unnecessary passion that comes through someone who is a hair and makeup artist, but they're doing loads of behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, and they feel they're really like they just they just can't get enough of being there. Yeah. Um. So when people would get, I love having interns, um, not just people that come from uni, but just normal people. If I can see their DJ as well, or they're into ska, or they're into they're into wow, you're into punk, you're into you got passion. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's not. Nothing, I never, ever, ever have looked at grades. So just honesty in, in your CV and a little bit of being human. And, you know, every now and again, you get a CV. Someone sends you, I remember some guy put a tea bag in his, C, in his CV. He said, oh, sit back, put on, put on a brew and read my <laughs> thing. A little bit of humor, you know, a little, bit, a little bit of humor, a bit of creativity. And, in, in, you know, if, if you're a kid that loves whatever it is, make your CV look a bit like that. If You know, it's like if you're going to buy a car, I've always thought your car should reflect your personality in the yeah. ideal world. Well, what about brands then? How do brands come on your radar? Do you approach brands or do they come to you? Honestly, I'm not the best businessman. Uh, you know, I, li- I like making money, but I'm mm. not the best businessman. We've never really had business development salesperson that's just like bashing the phones. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm always a believer that one job two jobs one project is the key to your next job and yeah. um, there is a little bit of you know trade shows chatting to people networking but again it's it's a balance you don't want to be a, a sales guy and then you end up with brands that are awful and it's <laughs> almost difficult to make a cool shoe out of an awful brand because yeah. it's so unbelievable and um, why have we got so many negative comments on our because the brand's shit yeah. in the first place it's um a little bit of just when i get a campaign for a brand like Kappa for example yeah. like I've got a brief and the brief sometimes is 
you know, you, you can do it. You know, you could do it, get paid. And I'm like, you know what? This collection's inspired by 1987. Let's get a 1987. It's an Italian brand, so let's get an Italian car that's from 1987 in the background. And that will, like, right, the develop, develop a little bit of a sense of time and space. And my missus is like, they didn't, they didn't ask for a car. They didn't ask for a car. <laughs> that's, that's, that's 500 quid wasted straight away. And I'm like, yeah, but it's little things like that sometimes where people who people like me that are looking in, yeah, or, or there might be a creative director of a brand, they notice those little things. Yeah. And they're, they're the key to the next job. <clears throat> yeah, massively. Um, so... You know, you're responsible for putting products in on some of the coolest people, putting them in shoots. Rich, are you responsible for what the menswear fashion world said was the worst shoe of all time? The feel of disruptor being so big on Instagram. Was that you? Well, okay, so I went to a trade show in Berlin and I think the German guys were pushing it, pushing that shoe. And I remember thinking, again, like at the time, nothing else was like, it was like seeing, like I saw the recent Oakley shoe on the weekend and I thought, fucking hell, that's amazing. It's brilliant. I thought, fuck, that's amazing. That's that's different. That's different. I took a picture of it, took it back to uh, Feely UK um, and one thing led to another and <laughs> before you know it it was fucking the grand was wearing disruptors men were wearing it and it was like double disruptors you see them yeah it was like um, so i think i was an influence in it whether whether uh, the the feeler trailblazer definitely because i used to wear that raving and i remember looking in the in the dusty corners of the feeler office and thinking fuck that shoe at the back there i used to wear it raving and it's almost like that, the hiking shoe yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so sick. i did this and that 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 came back and, and sold out really well but the disruptor i reckon i reckon it was nuts yeah yeah you got you got a bit of responsibility in that i remember we, we were doing the social media and um you know our job was to go to social media and uh, be on board put that on yeah it's all right a bit of a bit of, bit of uh, engagement uh i don't know two pack bit of engagement disruptor <laughs> 50,000 likes wow <laughs> but then but then it's just um a lot of brands Something like that happens, and they go, "Oh, that's that's us for the next ten years." Or, yeah. yeah oh, I might, I might have a swimming pool in my house, and <laughs> and uh, and then you know, Adidas, Nike, a lot of brands. Well, it's it like with my with my business, I'm always if I let my guard down, so I'm going to lose a client, or you know, it's like boxing. If you let your guard down, you get knocked, you get knocked out. I think that's the time where brands should reinvest into UK ambassadors, outdoor advertising, and I think they relied too heavily on that shoe um as a as a meal ticket for for that for for a long time and before you know it it was like on the sale rail um of sports direct <laughs> or i don't know yeah and and bigger the other how did they fall J, jd sports were doing this like disruptor twisted with some other brand well, other yeah. shoe. yeah so which one know. of your brands would you say is like your personal favorite when you get the brief into shoot and what just does the best overall um, what's like the easiest one to go out and shoot <sighs> Um, I think more recently, recently, like um, we've 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 been doing some really cool stuff for Kappa um, because, like I said, we we did start with the UK license, and then now uh, the head office in Turin um, briefs us every season to do the, the global campaign, and we came up with Winning Starts Within, which has become their like just do it, and yeah, and that's really nice that you know you do a shoot, but it's kind of like old, you know, it's under the bridge, you know, next season it's forgotten about. But yeah. um, it's one of the first times where the the IP of of something has 
going to stay around um, hopefully forever. So that's that's really good. Champion was amazing because, like like I said, I had had me and my team had a really good vision for it when it was n nowhere. Yeah. Um, and it's really good to see it, you know, store in Soho and still really friendly with the team there. And yeah, so I mean. I forget some collaborations like Cyberdog, Kappa, that was mad. We did a rave in Cyberdog, that was good. Liam Hodges, Feeler Party. I think that's where I got these from. I, I think these were I remember, yeah, I just saw them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was that was wild. Um, but that's quite fun sometimes. They give you the freedom. Well, I guess it comes down to the final question of this, which is, obviously we've had a lot about PR, but you yourself, Rich, do you still shop much? Do you wear brands other than the ones that you stock? Or is it primarily... I love clothes and yep. I love sh shopping for clothes <clears throat> but I'm not particularly a brand person I sort of float between eBay finds nice. um small new streetwear brands I like um like at moment grind London is a oh, brilliant, yeah. oh my a god brilliant, yeah, brilliant. Love grind London. always always got something a little bit of a <clears throat> not not huge but just a, a nice always a little bit something there yeah um, Going to H and M, Uniqlo, still old Berghaus, or or a, um, I love shopping, but it it could be I could be in Tenerife and I see a cap and it's two euros and I wear yeah. that and that could be my best cap. I went to New York recently in this military store and there was this denim cap only like five dollars and it's one of my favourite things and it's just trying to trying to mix in things that are hard to, hard to find, yeah. on trend, a little bit of heritage, something that reflects your personality. And things that are going to, you know, jewellery that's going to be there forever, part of you. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 well, I don't unfortunately know. for you, it's all going except for one item. What one item of clothing would you keep from your wardrobe and why? Most of fashion is probably, uh, I could do without, I, I could buy again. But yeah. I've got a few trainers, I've got a pair of Jordan ones that, now my kids have clocked <laughs> onto it. Dad's got a pair of Jordan ones, oh my God. Um, I like I like that. It's they've gone up in value a lot. A few a few little things like I've got this sheepskin jacket which I've which I've had since I was about eighteen. Uh, I've got a, a Marlboro Lights bag. I really like that. My whole wardrobe could be burnt down, and I I would probably enjoy going <laughs> spending a week building it back up again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, speaking of lit Marlboros, uh, should we have a break here before going into the future? <laughs> no. So for the future, what's next for Rich PR? We've got quite a lot of exciting projects in the pipeline at the moment and clients in the pipeline you know a lot of global stuff we're doing a really big project for a big street in london at the moment which is which mm -hmm. is i can't really talk too much about it but it's it's um i'm kind of the creative director and my agency is assisting and helping and supporting the whole process of redeveloping a whole London street, which is, which is, which is crazy. We've got the plans already signed off for that. And instead of, they wanted the first job was like, oh, they're going to be 80 meters of hoarding. You know, when things are being building work, there's that big hoarding. We want to put something cool in the hoarding, some artwork or something. And I was like, sitting in this big corporate um, meeting room. And I was like, nah, let's do something a bit cooler. Let's let's do um, an 80-metre zine, which is <laughs> 2.4 metres high and 2 <laughs> metres wide a page. So that's what I've been doing for the last couple of months. So we, we, I've, I've come up with this magazine called Under Construction. It's like we've got Ants Live on the cover. We've got like loads of community groups and 
cool shoots done and that's going to be 80 meters so it's like 80 meters outdoor interactive immersive type yeah thing so that's good um we've got a new platform coming to rich london which is representing community groups leaders of culture my wife's got a model agency that that's doing really well so you're in the space would you ever leave it because i know look you're brixton you're based in brixton you represent brixton brewery so would you ever... you got an SW9 tattoo on your yeah. neck. <laughs> would you ever go into a big fancy office in Central? No, basically. I mean, I remember when I thought I'd made it and I was fashion director at FHM and it was a big fancy office. I just hated it. Like, because so many people... It's like school, you know? It's like, it's yeah. like try and operate in a... I wouldn't say no to a big fancy office. Let me, let me be truthful. <laughs> but I think it would be within our style so it, it would it may still be a, a railway arch but there might be a skate ramp a skate ramp <laughs> or something i know like that. that there's a railway arch. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> railway maybe we have like somewhere. six railway arches or something like that but i i just really i've really um sort of repulsed by anything corporate how do you see like the future of fashion going because obviously fashion seems to go backwards but there's only a certain point that it can hit it will just keep revolving and revolving like the 20-year cycle will just keep keep revolving things there's only so much a fabric there's only so much that you can yeah you know, ca- occasionally color. you'll see an unusual fit like that big yeezy jacket is an unusual fit and it, that became all these those red boots that have come out recently the mischief ones, yeah. i think there will always be innovative designs that will push fashion into a different realm for a little bit yeah but in terms of um trends like my kids um and all sealed through TikTok, and people going on about jorts at the minute. Like, <laughs> and my, my, I gave my son a pair of denim shorts, um, and he goes, "Oh, dad, those jorts are sick." And I was like, <laughs> "Fuck it, they're just denim shorts." Like, it's just been yeah. generations and generations of wore denim shorts since the seventies, sixties, fifties, whatever. They'll just get cool different things. Anything that was cool will become cool again. My dad used to have a moustache, and I used to say, "You're not dropping me off." with that moustache and I remember <laughs> I remember going into his bed when he was sleeping and trying to shave it off really and and, um, <laughs> and, and now I've got one and, it, and it's like it, it's just that's just the way it is things will become ridicul- ridiculously uncool to the point where cool people will think they're cool enough to wear it and that's just the way it is flares skinny jeans will come back yeah deep v-necks will come back hopefully not uh, I mean we've had Y2K what is next then so if we're, if we're going 20 years back 2003 what are we bordering on, bordering on the territory of? I think the whole. Soon night- it'll be indie. You'll be you'll be back in your prime. <laughs> I think I think the whole I think the whole nineties um, thing's been played out enough, and I think yeah. you know the Y two K thing is 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 just Having ready ready now, yeah. ready to be chewed upon. I don't know. There's just like I did a shoot on Friday, and it's it was very some forty one. Yeah. Um, it was very kind of Blink one eight two, very kind of American teenage so we're gonna go punky again yeah a little bit punky a little bit a little bit emo a little bit um obviously skateboarding is just overarching everyone wants to skate now so what Um, you're saying rich is frosted tips are back it could be could be i would i would say my advice to anyone is never throw anything away (laughs) if deep v-necks come in never throw them away because 20 years time you can if you still fit into them, <laughs> you, can, you can wear it again. And or your kids will think you're cool. Like if you don't throw anything away, and like I'm like, my, my kids are like, uh, oh yeah, have you have you ever heard of this brand 
Berghaus. And I'm like, I've got the loft and I get a vintage Berghaus down. They go, fuck yeah. Yeah. Dad, that's so cool. Wow. I suppose, because you're into fashion as well, so I'd imagine you have a great collection. Like, my dad's just not into fashion at all. So when his, when he brings down stuff, he's like, if you mention a brand and he's like, oh, you saw one of the jackets from there and you see it and it's like, did you get that from the sale reel at that time? And it still probably wouldn't even make it no, nowadays. So like my, my, my wardrobe is the, the premier division and then you've got my loft is the first division and then my <laughs> mum's loft is the second division. And, um, and then sometimes like my, my boys went up the, my mum's loft the other day and there was a bathing ape t-shirt up there that was, that was, too small for me. There was, there was uh, some Pharrell ice cream trainers and yeah. some, some baked stuff that I just kept up there. And my, and it was like, fucking hell, Dad. Fuck. <laughs> and it, it makes me. It's, I love giving stuff to people anyway, helping out. And for my kids to sort of wear that bathing ape t-shirt to the skate park and oh, I got some compliments, Dad. Yeah, that's just exactly hell. how like how I see fashion. It's like. And once it, again, you never got the credit. <laughs> <laughs> Never, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where'd you get it from? Uh, the Depop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I like, really like, like I said earlier, for the future. One thing I personally want to do is um, I've started doing a little bit more mentoring, and even it yeah. started when I get those CVs from lads, and they were just on Word documents, and I would just say, look, I know, I know you from your thing. This is, this is. I don't think I'm a prick and hate me. Yeah. But I honestly. If you go on Canva and put your interests down, you know, put that you like going to gigs, put that you like traveling, and that will, you know, and I'm doing a lot more mentoring, you know, yeah. like, I like trying to trying to help people come into the industry because there's so many smoke and mirrors. Sometimes the smoke and mirrors prevent people from advancing to the next level because they're yeah. thinking, fucking hell, that's too smoky and mirrory. But <laughs> but actually, there's nothing to to stop you from just knocking on the door because people are just like you or yourself just normal people and For they sure. just appreciate someone you know so yeah so yeah before we move on to the last question then um i just want to make sure that one you don't get inundated with loads of people be like give me a job mentor me mentor me. so <laughs> you already said how to get your your foot in the door like get noticed for you personally if somebody did want to like get advice off you what is the best way of like contacting you well uh, to be honest i do get quite a lot of that and i and i and i do try and answer to all of all of them really sometimes dming me is fine or dropping me an email is is fine and, I, and i'll try and just look at the way that you've communicated that little that little um sentence sometimes yeah. Yeah. it's so bad that i think you know there's no help or there was a girl recently um and you know who you are um <laughs> you messaged me and it came across quite catty and and entitled and and i thought no chance yeah. not gonna mess about and then she messaged back uh i've seen you've read it um why did you not respond why did you not respond like it, it, there's a lot of in, in entitled people that think because they've been to london college of fashion <laughs> because they look super cool yeah and because nothing's really stopped them because they've been able to say, look, oh, mum, get me, get me all the podcast equipment, or mum, get me, get me, um, bastard, why are you looking at me? You know, you know, get me a car, get me the. Nothing's ever really stopped them, so it's like they just go straight in to yeah. the DMs, going, "Hi, where, where do I apply for internship?" And <laughs> where, it's do like, I, when do I start? <laughs> when do I start? Like, just being modest. It's like getting a balance of being modest, proactive, and 
personable yeah. and honest. And, you know, uh, I used to say to some of the PR people that used to phone up magazines and stuff, sometimes a compliment is is gets you through the door. It's yeah. like I used to say, if, you, if you're going to phone up GQ, say, hey, um, I really love that fashion feature that you did in Iceland. How did you... How did you get the model how that must have been quite yeah. yeah so it's like i remember pr's phone in the magazines back in the day and it was like generic and and i remember my editor at the time do you ever read the mag do you read the mag we don't even have a best of section and and it's like you have to have done a little bit of research yeah just to say you know like oh p.s i really like that thing you did and, and i know it's a bit bullshitty but it just shows that they've been bothered it's not a i get so many um Okay, so say like there's a person at Exposure called Raoul that they wanna that they wanna get in touch with, right? Um, I get emails, the same email saying, "Hey Raoul," like, <laughs> and I think, "Fucking," just they've just been like it smashing out emails like nonstop, yeah. and it's like, I really love what you do at Gun Ho. No, yeah, that's no, not me. It is tough because obviously, like, it in some ways it is a numbers game. But if I, th- I think from my experience, is like take it back a level, and yeah. you don't even have to deep dive. You can go on Instagram, look at like, yeah, go four posts down. What they've done, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. I really yeah. love that thing you did with Cat or yeah. Kickers, yeah, or yeah, 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 yeah. And just but make sure you fucking read it. It is we get like emails where I'm like, uh, yeah, cool. That's that's not Andrew George. That's uh, why they <laughs> said that. Like I did um tele sales a lot when I was growing up and. And I used to find, I did it for um, a bank once, and it was like, hello, Mrs. Jones. Um, I noticed that you've uh, taken a loan out uh, recently. How's that going? What did you buy? And you've got to like, you've yeah. got to like, you've got to say, oh, it's buy anything nice? And and <laughs> and, and they're, like, they're like, oh, yeah, I did actually bought a new car. Well, how is it? Yeah. yeah. What's the, well, oh, I, lo- I love those cars. And it's just trying to show in that little bit of an email that you've got a personality that you've got a bit of humor so yeah. if you're trying to get in touch with somebody you've got like not a cover letter but you've got a couple of lines to get across your creativity your passion and try and build a little bridge between the person uh, that you're wanting to get attention from yeah without being too like yeah. a psycho um, yeah. <laughs> um, and and it's just getting that balance right and i think you keep trying it on people, keep trying it on people until it's like um, dating, I guess. It's kind of a bit yeah. like dating, you know, like there's a few people on Instagram at the moment. I don't know if you've seen, but like there's a guy called Diego Day. Is that the Riz blog? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know I know you get I know you get that reaction, but you've got to give him credit. I mean, it's like when I was, I was so like, you know, you can see what works. You can see yeah. it goes in with a compliment and it, it's like mad, you know, and it, and it's similar, you know, getting new business or getting your foot in the door it's similar mentality and and process to dating in a way you've got to yeah. you've got to have a com- find some common ground um and maybe do your research to, to to what i was like at that age and i think some people just then they they're like machine gunning out emails and they realize actually i'm emailing a a a completely different yeah. type of brand and I've gone off here you've got to home in what is going to work for you and exactly. just keep, keep that lane doesn't need to be an essay it's just literally someone's getting and then once yeah low key yeah just just like and if you're if it's not working then you're not doing you're doing yeah. something right or you know that's it yeah 
Well, I guess before we head over to the bonus content, we want to ask you, Rich Evans, if money was no objects, conditions no objects, everything, it's digital. What would be one outfit you'd like to be immortalized in? You know what? I'd probably get bored of my my own reflection <laughs> after a while. Um, one outfit. You know what? I just that is a very, very, very tricky, tricky one. I probably, if it was just one outfit, it'd just probably just be something casual, something, something like. Talk some, us through it. Some, I'd probably go. What's on the feet? I'd probably have to. I'd probably have to mix it completely up if it had to. I'd probably go loafers with socks. I'd probably go jorts, well, long, longer shorts, um, jean shorts, and maybe um, uh, like a printed T-shirt with some jewellery, a hoodie over the top, a cap. So I could kind of mix, I could go smart, smart if I wanted to. I could skate in the, the, the loafers if I had to. I could relax. Yeah, I could, I could do most things in that, I think. And then you've got yeah. a few interchangeable top. I could tuck yeah. in the T-shirt. I could have it out. Yeah, I reckon, yeah, something like that. I never thought I'd hear jorts as the immortalised outfit, but well, I rate it. I think if it's for all occasions, I think, it, I think, I think yeah. Good, solid choice. Happy with that? Bit of jewellery. Always. Yeah. Bit of jewellery. Um, yeah, I think so. Perfect. And I guess on that note, <laughs> on that bombshell, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us, Rich. It's been a pleasure and honour. We are going to keep right. you for another half an hour or so. We have the bonus content over on our Patreon. It'll yeah. be a quick fire round of audience questions. Where I get naked. Exactly. No. Are we ready? <laughs> yeah. Let's head over there. Thank you very much for listening, guys. It's been a pleasure and a pleasure to have you. Catch you in a bit.